Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hello and welcome to Thanks for the Knowledge, Fanbyte's weekly news show, rounding up the headlines and games and entertainment in one handy podcast. I'm your host, head of Fanbyte Media, John Warren. Hope everyone's had a good week. I got 10 inches of snow here in Fayetteville, Arkansas. I hope the folks hit with by the snowstorms in the middle of the country all have power, are all warm. I hope the grid stayed up in my native Texas. I'm seeing conflicting reports, but I think it did better this time. Uh, We have an awesome show for you. I sat down with featured contributor Funky Joseph to talk about brand new game Sifu, a game that I like very much. Uh, And I also got to talk to uh, my producer, Paul Tamayo, about Gran Turismo 7. We saw a big preview of that game this past week, and I wanted to talk to him about it. Uh, But first, we have to get to our top stories of the week. Still one of the biggest stories to drop this year or any year in recent memory, Microsoft's uh, purchase of Activision Blizzard made huge headlines last week and the week before. Uh, But now we've got another acquisition to report and discuss. It is Sony's acquisition of Bungie, the former Halo developer, now current Destiny 2 developer, for uh, a measly $3.6 $3.6 billion. I'm just kidding. That's a massive amount of money. Uh, but it's always going to be compared, of course, to the Microsoft Activision Blizzard deal, even though these things do very different things. Uh, Sony's purchase of Bungie will uh, allow them to uh, basically do a lot of cool things with live service games that they haven't really had inroads uh, on. Also, rumors that there will be a Call of Duty uh, uh, exclusivity agreement later down the line, maybe in three or four years, for the uh, for Xbox, um, having this in their back pocket uh, will give Sony a bit of a better sleep, knowing that they'll have a good first-person shooter uh, on their roster. But here's the thing, though. Uh, it's very different. I think Microsoft is really taking all of their acquisitions and saying, okay, how can we basically make this some sort of Xbox exclusive? Sony is saying that Bungie will continue to be an independent studio and that its games will still appear on other consoles. So they did a bit of a QA and uh, a over on the Bungie blog. Pete Parsons basically doubled down saying, our games will continue to be where our community is, wherever they choose to play. Also, there was a, uh, a fact um, uh, on Bungie's website that said, hey, as a Bungie, as a Destiny 2 player, does Bungie becoming part of PlayStation have any immediate impact on how I play and experience Destiny 2? Bungie says no. Our commitment to Destiny 2 as a multi-platform game will, with full cross-play remains unchanged. We want you to play The Witch Queen on February 22nd, 2022 on the platform of your choice. 
And they basically go on to say, no, like uh, through the final shape in 2024, uh, you will play Destiny 2 right here, wherever you're already playing it. So whether that's Stadia, whether that's PC, whether that's Xbox, you'll be able to still play Destiny 2 to its completion without any sort of console exclusives for Sony or anything like that. The, 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 the wording here does maybe say that whatever comes next after the final shape, which will be the final expansion for Destiny 2, um, maybe not so much. I mean, it does make sense that $3.6 billion should go to some sort of exclusivity at some point, but right now Bungie nor Sony are saying that that is going to be the case. Also, hey, Bungie has another game uh, franchise uh, that's uh, under the surface. We don't know what it is yet. They've hired a bunch of folks for it. It's under development. Uh, they still say that those games, uh, future games in development, will also uh, be self-published, creatively independent, and will continue to drive one unified Bungie community. Um, that doesn't necessarily answer the question that it'll only be on Sony PlayStation or everywhere. Uh, you could interpret that in many different ways, but they say that this will be a bit of a different situation than the Xbox uh, acquisitions in the past. So who knows? Uh, but this is a big one. It'll always be linked to Microsoft Activision, but these two acquisitions do something totally different. Uh, Microsoft's acquisition of Activision Blizzard really gives them a lot of inroads to different markets, obviously gives them uh, a, a road to get into more Eastern markets with esports and things like that, but also uh, the mobile markets here in the United States and in Europe, uh, and also just big game genres that they haven't really had a lot of uh, success with, like MMOs. So uh, whereas the Sony and Bungie uh, acquisition really just gives Sony a very, very, very talented studio that is creating cool IP that is doing live service, maybe better than anyone right now, maybe with the exception of Final Fantasy XIV. Uh, and, and yeah, just a really dedicated group of devs, two big IPs, one that we don't know yet, but uh, it, it's a pretty different acquisition than uh, Microsoft's uh, Act, uh, Activision Blizzard acquisition. So, yeah. Lots of comparisons, but I don't know if it really makes sense to do a apples to apples comparison. Nintendo released their quarterly report recently, and there are some really cool tidbits uh, to uh, to announce. Uh, one is that the Nintendo Switch has outsold the Wii in its history, making it the highest selling home console in Nintendo's history. That is incredible at this point. We are six years into the Nintendo Switch life. Well, this is year six, I should say, of the Nintendo Switch life cycle, um, and it has already outsold the Wii for its lifetime. This is an absolute monster of a machine, uh, and that's a that's that's a huge accomplishment. The Wii, of course, sold 101.63 million units uh, through its lifetime, and the Switch has gotten to 103.54 million units, which is unbelievable. Uh, they're still lagging behind uh, PlayStation 4 and the Nintendo DS and the PlayStation 2, but this is still an amazing thing. And, and, all, and again, those are lifetime numbers, right? So Switch could still sell a lot of units between now and the end of its life cycle. And that Nintendo DS number is crazy. I just completely, you know, you, you just forget sometimes how successful the handheld system was. Um, 
they're still saying that this is uh, the midlife of the Nintendo Switch life cycle. Um, they've been saying that for a few years, and they might as well say it because uh, this game, this console is still selling super, super well. Um, they're not going to get into acquisition, really. They 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 made that note in the quarterly report. Uh, they've also talked about how Mario Kart 8 Deluxe sold nearly 5 million copies in the last quarter, which pushes its total sales to 43.35 million copies. Only the original Super Mario Brothers across all of its iterations, across all the generations, across every single copy that has ever been sold of Super Mario Brothers. That's the only Nintendo game that has sold more at this point than Super uh, than Mario Kart 8 Deluxe. That is incredible. Um, and also Super Smash Brothers series has reached 69 million nice units sold. Uh, that's amazing. Mortal Kombat has sold 73 million, so it still lags behind that in terms of fighting games, but it's very, very close. You can see a lot of these details over on fanbyte.com. Imran did a good roundup of the rest of it. Uh, the only thing I'll say is that I think there was only one piece of news that Nintendo might consider bad uh, in at least this quarter were the sales of Skyward Sword HD. Uh, the original did outsell the Wii original. Uh, it, it sold 3.3 million copies, so Skyward Sword HD is done better than that but since it was first released the sales have totally dropped off a cliff uh it's 20 250,000 in sales last quarter breath of the wild for comparison sold 1.67 million last quarter and it sold almost 26 million units in its lifetime which makes total sense because it's the best game of all time we actually got our first Halo Paramount Plus series trailer a few days ago, and that, that show is coming out on March 24th. It's on Paramount Plus, like we said, um, and it is uh, it looks very Halo-y. There's a Master Chief. Cortana is like a, a real person. It's not like a blue hologram construct. Uh, we have some more details and that trailer over at fanbyte.com if you want to check that out. Uh, Andrea Sheeran did a good roundup of the news of that story that you can check out right now. Um, late breaking news uh, that came out Friday morning is, and it's, there's not a lot of detail here, but you might as well know, Grand Theft Auto 6 or whatever the next mainline Grand Theft Auto franchise game is, quote, well underway in development. Uh, Rockstar sent out a press release and also some tweets this uh, Friday morning to basically detail the future of GTA 5, future of GTA Online, and also what's next for the series. And they wrapped it up by saying, hey, GTA 6 is well underway. Um, we don't have any other details. We don't even know how long it's been in development. It could have been when Red Dead Redemption 2 shipped. It could have been when GTA 5 shipped. We just have no idea. We have no details about the city, the setting, the characters, anything like that. But I just wanted to tell you, one of the most profitable video games of all time, GTA 5, is getting a sequel officially. Um, if you want to talk about games where the driving might actually be good, um, Gran Turismo 7 is coming out soon. And to celebrate a recent 30-minute look we got at the game, I talked to my producer, Paul Tamayo. Let's go. We've talked before about how February is a monster for game releases, but some people, like my first guest, is looking toward March to to hit the open road. Oh yeah, to check under the engine and get get everything right. Mm -hmm. To rotate those tires, get them nice and hot. To get that spoiler nice and fitted, mm -hmm. and. Uh, to get a car wash and oil change that ups your speed by three miles per hour. Hey, 
Take whatever you can get. Take whatever you can get. Uh, of course, I'm talking to Paul Tamayo, my producer, about the 30 minutes of Gran Turismo 7 stuff we saw this week. How excited are you about this game? Oh, my God. Uh, I mean, it, it's hitting at such a perfect time. At least this state of play did because there's no F1 at the moment. So I'm sad along with the rest of the F1 fans out there. So, yeah, I, I've been waiting for this game for forever. Um, it's been 25 years that this series has been around. So I'm so ready for this game to just take over my life completely. Yeah. And it looks very possible. Um, so my, my my history with this game is really, I, I played a lot of Gran Turismo 3 and 4. I played a little bit of the PS1 stuff. Um, and I've really kind of fallen off. Once Forza Horizon kind of came out, I was that kind of replaced my Gran Turismo uh, vibe in my life. But now I'm kind sure. of all in on 7. What's your experience with, uh, with Gran Turismo? Yeah, so I remember getting the PS2 bundle, the GT3 A-Spec oh, That's bundle. such a good bundle. Oh, such a good bundle. Maybe maybe box. one of the best of all time. Honestly, yeah, yeah. honestly. It was a system seller. Um, yeah, and I was introduced to the series in uh, GT2. I remember like Gran Turismo being a thing, like just mostly through video game magazines and advertisements and shit. But yeah, Gran Turismo, I kind of have a similar experience. I've, I've probably poured hundreds, if not thousands, honestly, of hours into Gran Turismo 3, uh, mostly just getting licenses, <laughs> um, which are coming back for GT7. But uh, yeah, I kind of have a similar trajectory. I like, you know, I was never, I never really had someone to really show me the ropes or show me under right. the hood, so to speak, when, yeah. when it comes to cars. Uh, you know, outside of the basic stuff, like how to change your oil and stuff like that that my dad did. So shout out to, shout out to dad. But um, <laughs> yeah, no, I had a similar similar experience. Like once I kind of started playing around with arcade racers, I kind of just uh, you know went down that road again. And and every once in a while, dabbled in uh, Gran Turismo here and there. But you know, a couple years ago, I finally got back into GT Sport, and uh, it's also just kind of coincided perfectly with my deep dive into motorsports and just car culture as a whole. Yeah. So it is coming back for me at the perfect time. But it is one of those games that. Um, really speaks to my mind that, like my my, my childhood mind, who who would get excited over like a the newest Encyclopedia Britannica, be like, oh shit, I could this one got videos on it this time. This is a CD ROM, <laughs> um, man. And, Car and Carta's are, talking to me. Shit. Yeah. Whoa. Yeah. You could you could hear a sample of the song they're talking about. <laughs> um. So yeah, it, it these games really are such a wonderful learning tool, like a really fun interactive way to learn not only about like the the mechanics literally and the sort of uh strategies and and the things you have to sort of learn about auto racing yeah um you know when it comes to like we were just talking about before like you know tire strategy and slipstream and the racing line and all these really fun things that i feel like get really granular but can get really really fun and exciting to learn about and gran turismo goes the extra mile and and introduces like little fun informational stuff so you can actually learn about the sport and learn about the history of the cars and stuff like that and gt7 really does seem like it's going to be the like ultimate release and it should be right it's like 25 years since the game has come out they yeah. had seven or six i guess chances after the first one to iterate on that formula and and really perfect it and it, you know it's on the heels of like the the, the ps5 uh release which yeah. is going to give it a little bit of extra horsepower and and i'm just i honestly 
I, I can't wait. It's going to be like the ultimate, ultimate uh, game for me. And I, I don't know if I'll ever play anything ever again, to be honest. Yeah. Um, and it, it is kind of a culmination because in, in a lot of ways, at least from what I can tell from what we've heard already is like, it seems to be taking the most popular, most beloved things from the first kind of four games and combining mm-hmm. it with some of the, the, um, advances they made in the more recent games. So like seven will have the return of the GT simulation mode, which is basically like the incredibly robust single player experience where you have to like, you have to get licenses, you have to do all these different things, which like I think was missing from a couple of later games, if I remember Mm -hmm. correctly. Um, But like the later games also included all this dynamic weather stuff that GT seven is going to have. Um, we saw some of that weather in like cloud stuff in seven. What, I mean, that blew my mind. What about you? Oh my God. Yeah. It's, it, it's funny. Cause that part of the, the stream, I feel like my partner just like tuned out. Cause I was like, kind of just watching, well, she was watching along with me. Uh, well, I'll, I'll say real quick when I, I had the chat open on YouTube, big mistake. Um, first of oh, yeah. generally, but when we got yeah. to that point point where it, it was just like a shot of clouds forming in the sky and stuff, everyone was like, this is boring, 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 boring. And I was like, all of y'all are wrong. This is the coolest wrong. thing. Yeah, it, it really is. I, and that's kind of what that's kind of one of the things from the outside looking in for Gran Turismo is that like they they iterate so much on these games, but they all seem like such kind of I don't know. They almost feel like they're not important. Like I guess folks want to see like that Forza Horizon stuff, right? They want to see like cars right. like, hitting ramps and you know doing whatever yeah. like racing trains and shit sure but like yeah it might not look as exciting but the cloud stuff and and the, the track conditions when it comes to like the weather and how they're evolving that system like blew my mind because uh, i guess like in for the like the cliff notes version are that like th- yeah they're simulating actual clouds in the sky and yes. uh, the sun obviously will hit those clouds and light will filter through in different ways on, on different parts of the track, but that mostly impacts uh, whenever it rains on, on tracks that are sort of like notorious for for raining, like you know, like in Belgium and stuff. Like there are tracks where it's almost expected that you're gonna you're gonna encounter rain. Right. And uh, it was something that I actually also encountered in in Texas and when I was in Austin last yeah. October for the uh, U.S. Grand Prix for Formula One. Where I, that was my first time to uh, to a track to a circuit and seeing a race in person, and I watched this W Series race, I watched qualifying, um, and it it was amazing to see like what cloud cover can do on different parts of the track, especially when you have a vantage point across the track, because these tracks are like miles and miles long, right? And you know some parts of the track will get affected by precipitation if it's raining other parts won't and like this this one even had i think gt7 even has like a radar that you can see like with the circuit underneath the, the yes. clouds and the yes you know, the it's got like weather radar where you are on the track yeah and and you have to it, it adds one more layer of um depth there where you have to really take into consideration your not only your tire strategy but what what's going to happen to your car once you're on the track and you're racing against other cars yeah. so like the rain is going to affect, I mean, just in general, the rain is always going to affect like your tire grip, your slipstream, e- even like engine performance as a result. So, but what they were showing here with the, with this really wonderful time lapse on the Tsukuba circuit in Japan, it, it was like this really cool time lapse where you can actually see the the moisture develop onto the track and you can see the cars 
where they were once kind of the, the racing line that they were all hitting, all of a sudden there was spray starting to form behind the cars as they as they sort of passed through that section of the circuit. Yeah. What what is so fucking cool <laughs> is that all of this, like all of these new developments with the clouds and and you know, they were even like talking about like, look at we got the stars right in the sky. I was like, okay, that's that's kind of cool, but we, you know, maybe we don't need that or no. Sure, is, sure, sure. is gravity gonna fucking make a difference? <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, the moon got closer, so now the <laughs> tides are all fucked up. Yeah, yeah, and it's 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 got a really scary grin and yeah. smile on its face. And it's gonna keep. <laughs> oh my down. god, the fucking sequel to Majora's Mask Two is 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 in Gran Turismo Seven. Oh my god. Yeah, the twenty four hour at Le Mans is gonna be real gnarly this year. <laughs> um, no, but so so what what happens is the cars as they pass through the track and as rain sort of develops in different ways throughout the course throughout yeah. the circuit, um, that will impact obviously. Uh, your, your sort of tire performance and not only that but the racing line so the cars as they go through the track they're, they're really sticking to one part of the track where the rubber settles into the into the road and you know that part is obviously going to dry up faster because the cars are going through that part yeah. they're kicking up the spray of the of the moisture they're literally heating it up and drying it so you can see um if you sort of deviate away from the racing line which you're obviously going to have to do if you want to overtake cars you're taking a risk there, and and yeah. it it's really cool when you when you study the the history of the sport and people who are really good in the rain and stuff like that, and you you get to see people overtaking in the rain in, in those conditions or not even in the rain, it, maybe it just finished raining, um, and what it takes to really keep control of the car when it's constantly on the edge of losing control. This adds an extra like delicious layer of consideration that that mindfulness when you're behind the wheel of the car. Um, that makes it just so much more exciting. Like it, it, yeah. it just, it's something that you come to expect from Gran Turismo and they always find interesting, fun new ways to blow your mind with the, what seemingly feels like a small change, yeah. but has huge impacts on on what how the races are going to perform. Also, I mean, because of the way the clouds are sort of naturally being simulated, you know, every race, uh, presumably, is going to be different because, you know, the rain might hit different parts of the track differently for each and every race you do. So, if the, if it happens to rain, so um, yeah, it's just like it's super nerdy shit, but it's it's the kind of stuff that really gets me so excited to jump into this game finally, and like, yeah, I I cannot wait. Yeah, it looks amazing. I mean, when when they showed the footage of the puddles forming in specific areas of the track and then slowly drying, I was just like. Ugh, like this is so cool like just give me that wide shot of a race happening that i'm not even part of and with right. weather happening and i'm like I, I could just sit there and watch that like that was yeah so cool and i think um yeah i just got very very excited about you know running my own uh, you know career you know in this in this driving simulation and getting really into endurance races like that was something i really liked about uh, GT three was, um, you know, I was like, Oh, I'm going to start this. I'm going to start this race. It says it's an endurance race. I'm sure it's just like an extra 10 laps or something. Right? No, it's like, oh, you, yeah. <laughs> you need to be sitting here for two hours, three hours, like whatever yeah. it takes to finish this race. You have to change your tires a bunch. You have to have the right strategy there. And I thought I was too, I thought I was too like, I don't know too impatient for that stuff but i wasn't i like really really got into that and yeah. so i'm i'm very very excited to see uh what gt7 brings and it's like i'm getting getting as excited for that game as i got for for gt4 when that came out so 
Yeah, yeah. And and I'm kind of hoping they they continue to lean into this direction. Of yes. Because like, it, it would be really fun to have, let's say, uh, a race engineer in your ear. Yes. Right? So let's say sure. I'm racing and maybe, or let's say you're racing and I'm your race engineer and I go, oh, hey, there's like rain happening on uh-huh. in sector three. Yeah. Uh, we might want to be careful around there or like I could be even like looking at the conditions of your car, say, or your, you know, obviously your tire condition and stuff like that. If it could, if it wanted to get that granular, it totally could. Yeah. It become this thing where it really does become more of a team sport. And by team sport, I mean like maybe one or two other people on your, you know, quote unquote hey, that's, team or whatever. Hey, that's a team. But that's a team. Um, But yeah, I mean like it, this, this kind of stuff just makes me so excited about all the stuff I have yet to learn because there's still so much I have yet to learn when it comes to like, you know, tuning the car and making modifications on it, which they which they showed a lot of during the state of play. And um, all that stuff makes me so excited to just continue to pick all this stuff apart and, and just learn it and just become, you have to be really interested in that part of it to really fully appreciate it. But, you know, in addition to that, like I said earlier, like the GT Cafe thing I thought was really neat. The fact that they're going to have these really fun little mini campaign missions where you get to, you have to sort of clear a certain kind of conditions or whatever. And in the process, you know, like with cars from a certain era on a track in certain conditions, assuming you complete these things, the game will then sort of teach you and give you like a conversation of like that that was had with the designer of the car about the history of the, you know, what went into the what kind of thinking went into like the aerodynamics or whatever I'm yeah. assuming or the suspension and stuff. And I'm like, I cannot wait to fucking hear that stuff because <laughs> that that is so fascinating to me. And it's all here in like one place. And like the other things that they also talked about, like the the ray tracing for replays and stuff, that's that's great. I don't I don't need it for in-game stuff. It would have been cool, but yeah, whatever. Um I'd rather have the 60 frames per second. I will always take performance mode, especially in a driving game. Um the uh, the music rally stuff, which makes it like a fun, accessible way for folks to to check it out and and get the idea of of racing and and doing laps as a because I, I I always equate it to music. I, I grew up a musician, so like I have a real fondness for learning a new instrument. In this case, like you know a car and attaching it to music. It seems like a really neat idea. The photo mode continues to be like probably one of the most robust photo modes I've ever seen. Yeah. At, again, as a former a professional photographer. I cannot fucking wait to get in there and just start doing stuff. Uh, haptic trigger feedback, the vibration stuff. Like, oh my God. I mean, you don't necessarily need a wheel. I think that's cool. I think it's great for people to have that, you know, um, that that choice if they wanted to with Gran Turismo, which I think, you know, there are some times where I'll play on my controller. I don't, I don't, I don't mind sort of casually doing some laps on the controller. Obviously, I prefer the wheel, but yeah, this game just continues to wow me in ways that i wasn't ready for and and march 4th can't come sooner <laughs> i know and it's like it's like that's a month away like it's it's so, so close. close i can't wait for it either um yeah that photo mode looks ridiculous the the legendary cars stuff looks ridiculous because you can just like drive these super ancient cars and learn history about them which is super yeah. cool um what else we saw some like wild music mode stuff that like you know, like a replay is being set kind of automatically to some music that's going on. Like, I can't yeah. wait to see what that's like. Um, and I don't know. These games look really cool. Like, I think there there is something so fun about Forza Horizon leaning into 
the bullshit, right? Like about just kind of like fucking around with cars, like in, and, and that's really fun. And I really am happy to see Gran Turismo 7 kind of sticking to that really deep simulation because I think they can, they can really set themselves apart. I think they see what I see, which is Forza Horizon is their, it is the big franchise of that now. Like, I don't feel like it's Forza yeah. Mos- Motorsport anymore. Um, cause Forza Motorsport tried to be kind of what Gran Turismo is. And I think this is Gran Turismo's opportunity to say like, no, like we, we maybe took a few years off, but like we, we still know how to do this. Um, yeah, I'm super excited. I think this game yeah. looks great. There's, I'm, I'm going to throw a, a link in the show notes for this week's uh, podcast. There's a really great article on Jalopnik about it. And it, it, the, the headline kind of says it all, which is uh, Gran Turismo 7 is designed to inspire the next generation of car enthusiasts just as it inspired you. And oh, yeah. I, I feel like that encapsulates Gran Turismo so well. Yeah. Because it is, it is sort of like an entryway into learning about you know, not only motorsports, but cars and, and why they are so special. And yeah. I, I know that like, you know, especially nowadays, <laughs> cars are the worst, Yeah, especially right. like old combustion engines. Yeah, they, they, they fucking suck. Yeah. Um, but as a sport, as a, as a piece of engineering of like, you know, and, and it's, it, they're obviously including the future here too, with like EVs are included in here. They, they've been in the game for a while now, like with the different kind of electric vehicles. But yeah, I, it's like, it's a fun really accessible, affordable way to learn about this stuff without having to spend thousands and thousands of dollars on a track and making repairs and also maybe hurting yourself. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, <laughs> crucially. yeah, it's, it's, it's crucially. So it's, uh, it's, it's doing a lot and it's kind of what you expect from a Gran Turismo. And, um, you know, I would like to see it make its way over to PC. Um, yeah. I know, that's one of the things that, that a lot of, there are a lot of question marks around this game in particular is like how is it going to perform on, on PlayStation 4, which is, I believe, honestly, the way most people are going to play it. Yeah, um, at least right now, PS5s, yeah. At least right now, yeah, because PS5s are still so tough to get. Yeah. I managed to get blessed by my brother hey. last Christmas. Nice. Shout out to George. Um, but I'm curious about that because, yeah, it would be nice to give folks a, a, be- a you know, just a, an easier way to get into Gran Turismo that, that doesn't require them to to own a PlayStation. So, I mean, hopefully that'll change, but we'll see. But, um, yeah, I'm, I can't wait. I, I, I can't say it enough. I can't wait. Yeah. I, we, we, we gotta, we gotta play it together. We gotta, we gotta get on screen yeah. and do some stuff, uh, Definitely. playing with that photo mode, do some, do some tinkering under the hood. It'd be fun to, it would be fun to do what you just described is, uh, have an, yeah. have an engineer in my ear or, or vice versa and be like, Hey, Gotta gotta watch out for your tires on lap 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 forty. We, yeah, because you know, I mean, do you're, it. you're gonna need someone like that. Because there are some times where I feel like there are moments when I want to just play, you know, motorsport manager and sure. be the have the zoomed out view of everything. Yeah. There are other times where when I'm on the wheel, I don't want to have to think about that yeah. stuff. I want, I want a lot of that stuff to be automated or the game to tell me. So I, you know, that's the beauty of these games too. Is like they're very customizable, and you can sort of do a lot of you can set a lot of those parameters accordingly, but um, yeah, it would be cool. It would be dope to just be on a stream and just be that person in your ear. Yeah. Just being like, oh, hey, you might want to change your tires soon or you got, you, you know, you're losing time on sector three. So you want to kind of pick it up, watch the curbs, uh, you know, yeah. watch your left rear tire or whatever. Like, oh man, it's uh, just preparing me for my, 
ultimate pivot to uh, to race car driving, which is, I think, where I'm headed. I think that's kind of where I'm going. Yeah, that's kind of the direction you seem to be going in, which I support. I think that's great. Thanks. Uh, <laughs> all right, Paul. Uh, before you head off to your next career, uh, yeah, stick around and produce this podcast. Thanks for hanging out, though. Yeah, of course. <laughs> my, my pleasure. <laughs> all right, talk to you soon. All right, man. Are you ready for the deluge that is February? This past week, we obviously saw Dying Light 2 Stay Human, which is probably the biggest release, aside from, of course, Pokemon Legends Arceus. But now begins truly the 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 tornado of video games. The game NATO. The video game hurricane kind of rhymes. There are a lot of games coming out this month, and a lot of them are bangers. So let's go through this week's games, and I'll talk to you also about what's coming and leaving, crucially, from Xbox Game Pass. Uh, we have two amazing games coming out on February 8th. We have Ollie Ollie World. You can see a first bite of that game right now over on our YouTube channel. Uh, this game looks amazing. If you like Ollie Ollie and that skateboarding action, this game really ups the ante with some story stuff and more exploration, and it looks just like more freedom on the courses. Uh, it looks really great. The people on our site who've played it really like this game. I can't wait to get my hands on it. That is going to be out on PlayStation 5, PlayStation 4, Xbox Series X and S, Xbox One, Nintendo Switch, and PC. Basically everywhere except for Google Stadia and Amazon Luna, I guess. I haven't heard about that in ages. Also, February 8th, Sifu. I'm going to talk to Fungi about this game in a second, but... Uh, I really like this game. Uh, about 10 of us on staff have been playing this game for about a week. And uh, it's one of my favorite games that I've played in a long time. Uh, Sifu is really cool. Combat, it's a little bit Dark Souls-y. It's a roguelite. So if you don't like those games, you may not dig this one. But they do some really interesting things with the mechanics specifically that I think are really cool. That is a PlayStation 5, PlayStation 4, and PC joint. Uh, again, out on February 8th. Uh, check it out, please. I I, I beg you. <laughs> uh, also, Action Arcade Wrestling and Backbone, two games coming to Nintendo Switch on February 9th. Crossfire X is coming to Xbox Series X and S and Xbox One on February 10th. Edge of Eternity is coming to PlayStation 5, PlayStation 4, Xbox Series X and S and Xbox One on February 10th as well. Cardboard Kings comes to PC on February 10th. And then, hey, you're probably going to be super excited about this if you already love Kingdom Hearts. But Kingdom Hearts uh, 2.8 Final Chapter Prologue, Kingdom Hearts HD 1.5 plus 2.5 Remix, and Kingdom Hearts 3 are coming to Nintendo Switch on February 10th. Here are some caveats. These games are expensive. I think it's like 90 bucks for all three. And they're cloud, they're cloud-based games. So you're not gonna, you have to have an internet connection. You gotta play it over the internet. Um, it uses other rendering to make these games run cool. I don't get it. I don't get why 2.8 and 1.5 and 2.5 can't just run natively on Switch. These games are old at this point, like very old. They're at best PlayStation 3 games, but really they're just PlayStation 2 games that are up Kingdom Hearts 3, I get. It's a little bit beefier, but that game didn't exactly, like, set the world on fire with graphical power. Anyway, 
I'm just saying, I think this is an odd release. But if you're super into Kingdom Hearts and you want to play them on Switch on the cloud, those are out on February 10th. And then finally, we have uh, No By Heart. I said finally. That's not true. We have two more. No By Heart coming to PC on February 10th. And then Lost Ark is coming to PC on February 11th. That is a Korean uh, action RPG MMO kind of thing. If you like Diablo, but you like MMOs, this is kind of a mashup of that. We're going to have like a, a lot of guides of this game. So if you're into that kind of thing, lots of loot, lots of different mechanics and jobs and stuff that you can do in this game, we have you covered. So when this comes out, check back on our website. There'll be a ton of guides to help you out at the beginning. Uh, and yeah, I'm kind of excited to see how that that does. Kind of came out of nowhere, but folks that are super into this stuff are uh, super excited about this game. So check it out. Okay, Xbox Game Pass. We finally have kind of a full view of what's happening this month. Uh, if you like Contrast, Dreamscaper, or Telling Lies, Telling Lies is probably the biggest of the three, uh, those are already available on Xbox Game Pass. It came out on February 3rd. Uh, Besiege and Crossfire X and Edge of Eternity and Skull the Hero Slayer and The Last Kids on Earth and The Staff of Doom are all coming to Xbox Game Pass on February 10th. And on February 14th, we have Ark, Ultimate Survivor Edition, and Infernax. Uh, coming to the platform. So uh, quite a few games. I don't know if any of them are like musts. Telling Lies might be the closest one if you want to check out some interesting FMV narrative puzzle game. If you haven't checked that out yet, it's a good chance to do it. Uh, but maybe what's more notable is what's leaving Xbox Game Pass. There's a lot of stuff leaving on February 15th. So you've got uh, about a week or so to grab these games permanently with a discount if you want to keep them after they leave the Xbox Game Pass service. And they're, they're, they're big ones. I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go in reverse order from I think what is maybe least interesting to most interesting. Like, hey, you should maybe go grab this. Uh there's Project Winter, there's the Falconeer. Those are pretty good. The medium, okay. That's leaving on the 15th if you like kind of supernatural thriller stuff. Code Vein, a game that I think is one of those divisive games that will probably get revisited in a few years. is kind of like, oh, yeah, that was actually a pretty good game. Uh, that's leaving. Final Fantasy XII, The Zodiac Age. That's one of my personal favorites. That's leaving on the 15th. Uh, so grab that one at a discount if you can because it's, it's one of my favorite games in the series. And then finally, Control. Control is one of Fanbyte's favorite games of the past decade. And it is leaving the service on February 15th. So if you, you could probably grab it now and probably beat it by the end of, uh, by the time it leaves, or you can go ahead and grab it now at a discount before it leaves the service. It's very, very good. Um, I feel like control kind of goes on discount fairly frequently. That's, I feel like that. Don't, don't hold me to that, but I feel like it kind of does. So even if you miss this one, you can kind of look out for maybe a PC deal or uh, a console deal at some point in the future. But yeah, those are big games leaving the service on the 15th. Okay, so yeah, so that's that's what's coming out this week and also what is coming and leaving from Xbox Game Pass. It's a lot. There's some, some really good games that are coming out this week. Uh, I talked to Funky Joseph about one of them. It's Sifu. It's one of my favorite games this year so far, maybe one of my favorite games of the past few years. And uh, yeah, I wanted to pick their brain about it because they've beaten this thing and I'm, I still haven't. So let's get to that conversation now. 
Well, I've already mentioned that February is jam-packed to the gills with game releases, and two big ones that came out this week are Ali Ali World and Sifu, and here to talk to me about both of them is our featured contributor, Funke Joseph. Hey, Funke. Hey, happy Sunday. Happy Sunday. Happy Sunday to you. Um, Today, a Sunday, marks the day that the Sifu embargo is up. Which is so strange. It's one of the weirdest embargoes that I've ever seen um, to drop on a Sunday. But that's okay. That means we can talk about it on this show, which is amazing. Mm -hmm. Um, Sifu is funky. It's one of my favorite games I've played this past year. Sifu's Um, funky. Sifu's funky. (laughs) Um, It's really good. I love this game. Uh, I, I just want folks to get kind of a... I tried to describe it earlier in the show, and I think I did a bad job. So I want you to describe what Sifu is. Yeah, uh, Sifu is an action fighting game. It is very uh, explicitly trying to emulate those action movies where it's one person versus like 100 people. Like think Jackie Chan movies or John Wick, um, where there's just like six dudes and they're all like taking their time to fight you. Um, or at least the protagonist. But in Sifu, they are all fighting you at the exact same time. And it's not <laughs> one of those things where it's like, why are those other guys just standing in a cir- circle watching this? It's like uh-huh. Sifu, they're all throwing hands. They're jumping. They're throwing axes at you. They're doing backflips. There's a bodyguard trying to do a suplex on you. And you have to uh-huh. dodge all of these movements and kind of do a slow motion dodge and, and fight back. It is so just action-packed. I... I, I, I am buzzing every time I put the controller down, and whenever I pick it up, I am worse. Uh, I know. I get, I know. Back, get that back in me. <laughs> it's rough. It's super rough. Um, you you kind of got into FromSoft games recently. Like you're, you're kind of a recent FromSoft convert, I believe. Yeah. Yep. Um, I, I felt like there was a lot in common with Sekiro Shadows Die Twice in this game, but also other from soft games just in terms of the loop like i didn't quite understand this before i played it but it is kind of a rogue light game Mm -hmm. and it plays with age really interestingly so can you explain that mechanic yeah absolutely i i think the comparison to sekiro is really good especially with that like age mechanic and like jumping back up alive um it's so the age mechanic works I, it, it still confused me almost to the end, uh-huh. um, but it works as you start at 20 years old on the first level. Uh, when you die, there's a counter um, that appears on screen. And each time you die, it multiplies by that death counter. So if you die once, you're 21. If you die twice, then you there's two things on your death counter. So when you come back alive, you're 23 uh, and so on and so forth until you are 70 plus and die. Um, yeah, yeah. And you eventually run out of lives, but you, yeah, you, you do. Can... You do eventually run out of lives, but it wants you to beat the whole game in one life. Yep. And there's it, <laughs> it wants you to beat it when you're 20. And it, yeah, wow, and what a goal that is. It's bizarre to think about, like playing the first level, the squats, and being yeah. like, "Oh, you want me to <laughs> get through here while I'm still 20." You want, you want me, me to do this in one go? Yeah. Slow clap? You want me to do this in one go? Okay. It's seriously, uh, I think one of the hardest thing that I've had to overcome in a game in a very, very long time. Like, I, I completed it last night. 
Um, spoiler, we're not recording this on a Sunday. We're recording this on Friday. <laughs> yes. Um, but I, I beat it last night and on Friday morning, I was like, I don't think I'm going to beat this game. Genuinely, I yeah. was like, I was I was doing other work and I was like, I don't think I'm going to finish this game and I'm going to have to write a review where I'm like, well, I didn't beat the game, but, um, <laughs> and I don't like writing reviews like that, honestly. Um, yeah, I hear you. But I finished it and it, to the very end, it is constantly throwing things at you and you notice a lot of similarities and a lot of the game opens um i don't even know how to describe this the, the squats is a level that i thought was so hard the first time i beat it and the the boss at the end of it the botanist i was like 70 yeah. um yeah and by the end i was 22 like yep. when i when i finally understood how he worked after like hours and hours and hours i was 22 years old um yep and it, it's that process with each boss. Like the first time you beat them, you're old AF. And then yep. you keep going and you're like, oh, wait, actually this has a huge opening here. But I was just overwhelmed because it was a boss. Right. Um, so just it, it it really teaches you to to practice. And I don't know. I, I thought about Souls games a bit. Like other than Sekiro, though, I think this game is very different than them because yeah. it doesn't want you like dark souls you can die a bunch and you can get through with like nothing like you can be the most horrible build weakest items and just get through it but right like and and you can cheese bosses as well but in sifu yeah. you can't really cheese any boss uh, nope. you are expected to complete the boss with the lowest age possible like or else you're you're screwing yourself over for the next yeah boss it's it's a whole cycle um, yeah because because what happens is that if you have a game over you can go back and start with any level that you've actually completed but only at the youngest age you've beat it at so like if you're if you beat the second level at age 70 age 72 you can start that from there and play it at 72 and maybe you beat that level and go to the third level at 72 but no, like what you should do is go back to the level, the first level that you beat mm -hmm. at 23, like I did, and try to get through the second level at a much younger age so that you've got this, you've basically got runway, essentially, with your age, with your mortality yeah. to get through until the end of the game, which is a pretty cool concept, I think. It's definitely cool, but it is aggravating at points not gonna yes. lie <laughs> like oh it is a this is going to kick off another round of difficulty discourse that like i i think is i i don't i don't hate difficulty discourse because like i do think this stuff is important to talk about this game is really hard this game is really yeah. really tough i was checking the uh, the trophies uh last yeah. night because it kept popping up and i was like what what do these actually mean and i saw that the one i got for getting the true ending it was four percent completion out of people who had the game i was uh -huh. like uh <laughs> this game uh -huh. comes out so soon yep. what <laughs> um yep. i i thought i was behind but yeah that that mechanic is like when you start as the example you said when you beat a level at 70 you're like finally i just want to beat the boss and then you yep. go to the next one and you're 70 some grunt is going to clock you in the nose and you're going to die and it's game over. Yep. Yeah. So it does force you to, I, I honestly like it implement speed running tactics. We talked about this in Slack a bit, but like, yeah, you have to perfect each boss and there's no cheese really. It's like, no, learn their moves, learn your moves and get better. Um, and while you're yeah. doing this, it, 
everyone is talking shit to you. That's the part that like <laughs> actually started to grate on me because it's good shit talking dialogue. But it's uh-huh. like when I'm getting rocked at 72 years old, I don't want to hear. It's rude. I, yeah. yeah, it's rude. When it's I, like you don't. Know yeah, you I throw a bottle through. at the head of some old guy, and they're like, "Stay down, old man." I'm like, <laughs> yeah. what? I'm like, no, nah, that's getting rude. Nervous? I am yeah. your elder. You got to relax. <laughs> um, I've learned 20 moves permanently <laughs> over my many years of study. Please. Absolutely. I, I don't know. It's it's a really fun time, but I think it is yeah. definitely rough, especially reviewing through it. Like no guide. I No guides. I, I kept I kept reflexively going to our website to see if our guides were up. And I'm like, oh, what am I? I'm an idiot. I yeah. can't do this yet. Um, I honestly shout out to every guide writer and like play this and, and tr- like having to beat it first and be like, this is how you beat it. I do not know how people do that it's so hard it's it's super hard i think the first moment that this game really clicked for me was very early in the squats which is kind of a rundown apartment complex um and the, the entire game takes place in china um and so it's kind of rundown apartment complex and you're going through you're going through corridors and you get to a hallway and it's the first time that you've seen more than I think three uh, enemies on screen mm-hmm. at once. And you're looking down that hallway and I'm like, oh, wow, I'm going to have to fight all these people. Huh? And then you take, <laughs> you take a step forward and the first hit you score against an enemy, the camera shifts to the side view so that you're then just in this narrow hallway with like 12 people. They're trying to hit you with pipes And it's just this unbelievably cinematic thing where you're like, you're bouncing heads against walls. You're kicking people in knees. You're grabbing their pipe. You're hitting them with their own pipe in the head. Mm -hmm. You're throwing a pipe at a guy while you, while you roundhouse another guy. And it's like this, when, when you really learn the mechanics of this game, you can create, like I found myself creating set pieces Mm. Like I found myself in battles. I knew I could win easily. I found myself doing things like constructing the most cool, like the coolest looking battle. Yeah. Like absolutely. And it rewards you for doing that. Like when it does, when someone like runs at you with a pipe in that hallway scene, for example, Uh you can trip them, pick up the pipe instantly. And then someone who is like jumping in the air with a fist, you parry that with the pipe, then their structure, which is their like their defense meter will go almost completely yellow, which means you tap them once and they're dead. So like it rewards you for doing that cool shit, which is really fun. Um, Yeah. It's amazing. Um, Like they're like big enemies too. And they'll shit talk you and like Mm -hmm. walk toward you. And they really are tough if you square up with them, but it's so satisfying to like be next to like an Ottoman or a stool and then kick the stool into their knees. And they just, they just like go flying to the ground and you can do whatever you want to them at that point. And it's just (laughs) like, this shit is amazing. They, this team at slow clap has created, they, they made absolver. If you, if you, if you ever played that at home, Mm -hmm. I never really did. I saw people play it. I, I enjoyed what I saw, but they have really mastered this like environmental interaction with combat. And it is breathtaking when it all comes together. Mm hmm. Absolutely. I I think the team did a really, really good job creating a game like this. At the beginning, I didn't I didn't really like the I guess hmm, I didn't like the feedback it was giving me with what I was doing. 
Um, I agree. And I didn't, I was like, is this a sloppy system? I couldn't tell. I couldn't tell if I, I just completely I didn't understand what was going on or if it yeah. was a bad system. Um, but like six hours later, six hours later, I realized, yes, it is a good system. I just did not understand it at all. And I think it needs to explain it better. I think it needs to teach you the language of this game a bit more explicitly. Absolutely. Because there's so yeah. many, especially, uh, we didn't touch on this yet, but when you die, you can upgrade your abilities. And if you upgrade yes. them uh, a, set, a certain amount of times, you get them permanently throughout every run, no matter what age you are, uh, which is, some of those are helpful, but it's not as helpful as you might like them to be. Uh -huh. um, but yeah, even just explaining those or like, Explaining throws, I think, is good. Knockdown would be better because that really creates space for you. There's there's some stuff that like I had to figure out on my own, which is fun. Yeah. But also like when I'm throwing myself at the wall for like 10 lives and I'm not yeah. really learning, it's not as fun. Yeah, I think I think like they don't explain super well the difference between blocking, parrying, and also dodging. Like I don't remember the conversation about dodging. John, like yes. The, I don't I, remember that, it, but it's it's actually probably the most important mechanic in the game is just being able to sidestep something because there are a lot of attacks, especially from bosses, that mm. you can't block and parry. You got to just avoid, avoid, avoid. John, when you get to the last <laughs> boss, the the stuff it does with what you've learned <laughs> and what it's like, no, 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 you have to learn this, not this. Oh, um, no. It really makes parrying a thing, which I didn't oh, do the wow. whole game because I, I did a build where like I, I dodge a lot and then I get a bunch of focus and focus, can slow yeah. down time and, and like trip dudes or punch them in the eye or something. Um, but the last boss is just like, no, you have to parry. Um, and I never parried once. I didn't even realize that was a mechanic. No, no cap. God. I was like only dodging and jumping back and like ducking or whatever. Yeah. So yeah, I, I think, I think they could use, uh, additional tutorial parts of the, the, of the squats, like the first level. I do think there are things that they could probably teach you better because there are things that are in the, there's a menu that you have to access that you can access to kind of see like what clues and pieces you're basically trying to solve the why of uh, your father's murder. That's not a spoiler. It happens at the beginning of the game, but like, uh, and so you kind of got this like, you know, you uh, <laughs> bored with like yarn and stuff. You're trying to piece stuff together and you can access some tutorials through that menu, but they're not super exhaustive. Um, and I, I think they could they could show a little bit better. They're telling a lot, but they could show better. Yeah. Um. Um. I do really like on that like it's always sunny corkboard thing. Uh -huh, yeah. It it has so many little secrets and lore bites. Yes. Um, that that talk to each other throughout throughout the different levels. Um. So there will be like a locked door on one level or like a safe on another one, and you have to go through say level four to get the key to go back to level one yeah. uh, and check out something. And that was so fun because as, as you're locked in this groundhog day of, of just fist to fist fighting, you can, yeah. you can solve little puzzles along the way throughout your different lives. And I thought they would give me some sort of weapon or something. or like make uh -huh. me stronger, but the stuff I found out was deeply heartbreaking and all has to do oh, with the no. lore. And I was just like, why am I doing this? Um, <laughs> and you thought you were going to get the master sword or something. Yeah. I thought they were going to be like, here's a sick ass sword. So all the fights are easy. 
but instead it's like do you know the person you're fighting well they're sad as hell <laughs> and you're gonna kill them you you've perpetuated a cycle of violence here thank you you have uh, and the game makes you wrestle with that no pun intended oh um, boy uh, and um no spoilers but you do to get a, the true ending you kind of have to do everything again um mm, in a different interesting way. okay um yeah, I, I'm really enjoying That's cool. it. Um, I don't. There's one thing, like I, I read a piece last week or no, two weeks ago from Kihun Chan about how uh, Slow Clap is is just mostly white developers. I think there's only yeah. One. I don't even know if the the consultant is is Asian or Chinese. it's a French it's a French studio full of mostly white dudes. Yes, mm-hmm. which um, I mean like. From that piece that I read, it, it seems like it, stuff is accurate um, in, in terms of like cultural touchstones that they're trying to uh, go through as, as I guess, I don't even right. know, explorers. Like they're but, not but, part of this culture. And But is it their story to tell? Yeah. I think that's, I think that's kind of the, where the piece went and kind of like what I wrestled with knowing those facts the entire time of like. You know, when I played Shinmu, which was which came out before you were born, I believe. Um, but Shinmu was kind of one of those precursors to Yakuza, which was a very somber story about a a teen investigating the murder of his father. Pretty similar to Sifu in a, in a lot of ways, and it's like a journey through martial arts and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And that was made by a Japanese team about a Japanese teenager and all that stuff. And that seemed that 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 seemed true to me, right? Yeah. Sifu does have a sheen to it, some something about it that that does say to me whether it's just that I know this, that know these facts or not. It does say this isn't their story. Do you yeah. know what I mean? No, no, absolutely. I think it doesn't go yeah. deep. Like no. it's, everything is surface level with the, the right. aesthetics it's using, which isn't like. I, this isn't my criticism. Like it's not my culture to talk about. Absolutely, sure. but same. I'm. I'm wary about it because I've seen developers portray black characters and it's always odd. Like it's always odd when you know, like you can tell a black person didn't have any say in any of this. Um, yeah. D- d- yeah. Cut to every square Enix, uh, final fantasy game like <laughs> yeah. ever made. Yeah. Shut up yeah. there. Um, yeah. but like, yeah, Sifu, I, I think it, it honestly, it plays it safe. I think it kind of knows that, yeah. It doesn't have any, it can't really say anything about these, th- this culture at all, but I don't, I don't know. It, it still feels so weird that they're just using this culture when like they didn't have to, like, could, could you, they, not did. Have, they really didn't. You no. could have just said like, this is a French kid that yeah. knows martial arts and he's got, uh, his dad runs a dojo in Paris It's like there's and he's no, got to run through Paris. Yeah. There's no reason. There's, there's no there's reason no why it couldn't be full that. reason at all. Like other than, Oh, yeah. this thing looks cool. Um, yeah, which I don't know does not sit well with me, uh, and that's something I'm I'm already wrestling with in my review, which I oh, it's Sunday, it's published today, um, but yeah, I I don't know it's 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 weird to have that on top of such a tight game with with solid mechanics and a tough progression, but I think it's really rewarding at the end of the day. Yeah. Um, but I mean that's that's games like criticism is wanting things to be better and i think this story would be better if they didn't try to tell a story about a culture that they have no connection right. to um yeah i i think that's not something you should do you should like in in every writing class i've taken it's like tell the stories you know 
Um, yeah. And, and in this process, it seems they did a lot of research, um, which like, I respect that they weren't just like completely going in blind, but like, honestly, just tell the stories, you know, and if you do, if you want to tell a story outside of your, your wheelhouse, like get someone who's actually from that culture and, and right. have them more people on your team from that culture so they can actually add something substantial and not make something look just like wallpaper, make a culture look like wallpaper for your cool fighting game. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's a perfect way to put it. It it does seem like window dressing, right? Like it, it there is a unbelievably competent and interesting mechanical game under this. And yes. it didn't have to be, it didn't have to be what this is, but it is. And I am looking forward to, reading any number of cultural critiques of this portrayal because like as good as I think this game is, I also think it's going to get hammered for some of this stuff. Even if I don't know what those things are yet, do you know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean like they, they say so many phrases and stuff and like do like reference so many uh, Chinese things that I, right. I, I don't know if that's correct or not. Like I have no idea. <laughs> sure. It's yeah. just on the screen. Um, yeah. And it'll say a translation in English as well. So I'm like, I assume that's right. But again, like that's not <laughs> my culture to critique that. I, I don't know how yeah. accurate it is. Yeah, we'll um, see in the coming weeks. We'll absolutely. see in the coming weeks what what's written about it. But uh, this game's amazing. So yeah, I definitely recommend folks pick it up. Um, I, I assume you do too. Mm-hmm. I think yeah. I, I don't know if I recommend it to everyone. I recommend it to I, people. I think people will bounce off this thing. Yeah. I know that. There will be people that really bounce off of it. I have recommended hard games to my friends specifically before, and they've been like, Funky, why'd you recommend me this shit? Why did like, you? I hate I, myself I, after yeah, playing this. I returned yeah. it. So, <laughs> I, I mean, if you really want a challenge, pick this game up. I think it's $40 yeah. um, coming to PS4. Is it really? Yeah, yeah, 40 American. Wow. I know. So, I thought it was going to be full, full price, but that, I, I did too. I didn't know that. That's actually kind of a big deal to me, yeah. actually. I, yeah. I think it makes it more worth and. Honestly, this is a game that can can keep you occupied for a long time. Um, I really grinded it for review, but there's so much to explore and so much to learn with this game. And also, yeah. it will kick your ass, so you'll be yes. in this world for a while. Uh, and and it's a nice place. I think it yeah. feels really good to play. You also played Ollie Ollie World, not for review, but you did play it uh, before uh, the reviews went up. And I want to know what you think. Goaty. I think. Oh, wow. I think that, well, I know it's on my list already, but that game is so fun. Like, no bullshit. I would play that every single night for the past week, like after doing work and stuff. And it's it's such a a stress-free game. Um, You are skateboarding and trying to go through Narvana and and find all the skate gods. It's it's so odd because I, I played so much uh, Ali Ali 2 in, what was it, like high school or early college on my Vita, and it was so, so tight, but it felt like an arcade game. There's no plot. Yeah. It was, the graphics weren't that good. Like, it, it was really like a, a bare bones indie art that I didn't, I, I didn't dislike, but it wasn't anything to write home about. Um, but in Ali Ali World, they have such a clear aesthetic vision and what they're trying to do narratively and visually is just so exciting because it just, I don't know, Ali Ali's an arcade game that has such fun mechanics, 
but they just added two more layers of visual and also story to it that I'm just so happy with this game. Like yeah. I have no complaints. Like Ali Ali 2 was a perfect game in my eyes. So adding two other elements that I didn't even expect the team to go on or build on is yeah. just makes a big smile on my face. Yeah. Ali Ali world looks exactly like one of my favorite like trends in games where an indie studio will, will have some success with something that's like, very small and like has no scope creep and it's very tight and clean experience. And everyone was like, Oh wow, that thing is cool. And then years later they go, okay, what if we did that thing, but we use all the money we made and, and like do something fucking ambitious and wild with yeah. it. And like, I love that trend. I love trends of these indies grabbing the stuff that, that, that kind of put them on the map and saying, okay, what if we really made something that had this kind of, it's definitely not a triple A game by any means. I don't mean that, but like mm -hmm. th this kind of triple A ambition, right. Of like layering a game with a lot of different stuff that makes it a more robust experience. And like this game looks so cool to me. Yeah. And it has uh, all of the same mechanics as, as the first one, the second yeah. one. And it builds on too. like, I don't know if, I don't think wall riding or gnarly routes were a thing where you can just take a completely cursed route and get way more points, but it's so much harder. Um, so it really has so much for players who just want to do a casual little ride through at the end of their day or want to grind every level and get every single challenge. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. It's, it's really hitting that part of my brain. That's like, Funke, you want to get this perfect. You want to get, uh... you want to get every challenge. You want to get the alien costume at the end. Like <laughs> that's another thing. There's so much, so much customization. Um, yeah, everybody's little guys, real cute. Yeah, everyone everybody's, looks like everybody's every. It's super cute. <laughs> everyone looks like they were drawn from like Adventure Time or Bravest Warriors. Yeah, and when you're on the loading screen, also you can see random players. Right now, it's yeah. all just press people. So I saw like Abby Russell or like Nat from PC Gamer just doing kickflips on cute my loading screen, which is really cool. Um, it's, it's such a sweet game. I yeah. I, I love how just it has made me happy from start to finish. Um, I'm, I'm liking Sifu a lot, but like that game hates you. That um, game hates you. It really yeah. wants you to suffer and learn. Like even the last boss is like, get better, play better. <laughs> like, I'm like, dude, come on. I've been doing this for 15 hours. <laughs> yeah. But in, uh. in Ali Ali world, it's your group of skater friends who are like, nice moves, bro. Even if you wipe out every single jump, <laughs> they're just like, good job, dude. You'll get better next time. If so Sifu, Sifu hates you, Ali yeah. Ali World loves you and wants you to succeed. Yes. Ali Ali okay, World is like you come home from work and they have like a vanilla Coke and are like, hey, what's up? How are you doing? Um, do you want to skateboard? Wow, that sounds great. Yeah. Where Sifu, I you come home from work and the, it punches you in the face. It's like, I can't believe so many like great games have come out in the first like five weeks of the year. That's, yeah. That's wild. I and mean, this, this, is this month just started. It's such a busy week already. Like, yeah. I know. I I know. I'm yeah. I didn't think that also these games would be that long too. But like, right? Sifu is they're beefy. Yeah, like twenty plus hours I think, and so is Ali Ali World. Yeah. Um, yeah. Very long games. Very good games. And it is February sixth. Yep. <laughs> and both both of these games will be out on the eighth. So like, yeah. so like grab them. Like they're both they both seem amazing. Like. I was pretty much a go for Ollie Ollie World, but then like y'all started talking about it on Slack and all these reviews came out and I was just like, 
oh wow this is like a, a like a must play game mm-hmm. okay like yeah. that's that's awesome i that um, i quickly realized that as well at least sent me a code and i was like oh yeah i'll check this out and then i played it and i couldn't stop playing for a few hours i was just like <laughs> oh yeah look at this trick like that's so sick ah uh, it's so good all right well thank you for telling me about both of these games uh obviously i know a lot about seafood because it's making me super sad um <laughs> and frustrated but it's great and uh yeah i'll definitely check out ollie 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 world um thanks for stopping by funke yes thank you for having me and thank you for the constant knowledge yo that's the name of the show well, almost. <laughs> that is going to do it for this week's program. I want to thank my two guests, Funke Joseph and Paul Tamayo, for stopping by. You can find Funke's amazing writing over at fanby.com, of course. And you can also find their streams every Wednesday uh, over at twitch.tv slash They also have their own Twitch channel, which is amazing. And they stream from there sometimes at Funke Fly. Uh, thanks, Funke, again. If you want to find uh, Paul Tamayo, uh, you can find him at Polymayo over on Twitter. You can also find all of his podcasts over at the Podcast Network, which is podcastnet.work. Easy for me to say. Uh, <laughs> I have a stream every Tuesday morning. I did not have one the past Tuesday because I was on vacation, baby. But it's called Tuesday Morning the Show. It's chill vibes. We discuss news. We discuss cooking. We discuss a lot of things to get your Tuesday morning going right. I'd like to consider it kind of a companion piece to this show at this point. So if you like TFTK, you will like TMTS. I that I did not do that on purpose. Um Hey, you know what? Maybe I did. Maybe subconsciously, I was like, I just like four words and I like T blank, T blank. Anyway, until next week, you're welcome. Welcome.